Maybe the real Flywheel Fridays was the friends we made along the way. Welcome to Flywheel Fridays, keeping up with the federal IT news cycle, one conversation at a time. I'm Alexander Bolova, media producer for GovCIO Media and Research. With me today is my wonderful co-host, senior researcher Melissa Harris, and special guest, staff writer Sarah Seibert. Melissa and Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alex. Thanks, Alex. We've got a big announcement to make today, but before we get into that, Sarah Cyber is here to recap the Disabled American Veterans National Convention in Orlando. Sarah, tell us about your experience at the convention and some of your key takeaways. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, I was there for five days. I just got back yesterday and it was an incredible lineup with all three undersecretaries, including VA's new undersecretary for health, Sharif Alnahal. Uh, he was appointed by the Senate only a few weeks ago, and VA's Secretary Dennis McDonough also made an appearance on the final day of the convention, and I had the opportunity to chat with him one-on-one -on -one about his upcoming goals. It was unbeatable timing, uh, happening right before Biden signed the PACT Act uh, yesterday, August 10th. So, Sarah, what is the PACT Act? Yeah, the PACT Act is the biggest expansion of veteran benefits in a generation. It's legislation that will fund compensation and health services for over 3 million veterans who suffered toxic exposure during their time in the service. I actually had an interview with Joy Elam, DAV's National Legislative Director, and she explained that one of the barriers before the PACT Act was passed uh, was that you weren't just presumed to have been exposed if you served in one of these areas where there was a burn pit. Veterans actually had to prove that they were in an area of a burn pit served there. So it was presumed that they were exposed to these toxins in the burn pits. One of DAB's employees actually led to the creation of the burn pit registry. So that was a big talking point throughout the convention. And during a seminar with the three undersecretaries, Matt Quinn, who's VA's undersecretary for Memorial Affairs, Josh Jacobs, VA's new acting undersecretary for benefits, and Dr. Alnahal, uh, they discuss the PACT Act and broke down some of their top priorities. So Sarah, before you went to DAV, you've done some reporting around how the VA is trying to move away from paper-based processes to help move claims along faster and generally use technology to support a lot of the efforts that you were just talking about. How did this come up throughout the sessions that you were attending at DAB. Yeah, thanks, Melissa. So Josh Jacobs was just appointed as acting undersecretary a few weeks ago. Uh, he was talking about how VA is working through its backlog. And I believe McDonough said that the claims numbers, the claims backlog right now is the lowest it's been in years. So that's good news. But with three to four million veterans getting new benefits and filing claims, it's going to become even more critical to move away from those paper-based processes since the bill has been signed into law. So uh, to drive this modernization, VBA is using a people process technology approach to prepare for incoming claims, which includes a huge hiring push. 
In an interview with GovCIO Media and Research, McDonough explained that they already had, have hired 2,000 employees, and they're aiming to double that number over the next period. Automation is also going to play a key role in claims processing moving forward. Uh, to optimize processes, automation will remove burdens on the workforce to improve data use and speed up benefits delivery to veterans. So Alnaho, who I mentioned was appointed two weeks ago, also discussed the PACT Act and some of the implications it will have in his unit, which is Veterans Health Administration. So the PACT Act includes language that will help VHA's internal processes and workforce strategies to what Alnahal said will make the gears at VA work better and better. McDonough also brought this up in her interview, saying that the law provides additional authorities to hire personnel at, at VHA. So his goals moving forward will be expanding the VHA workforce and then continuing uh, with the VBA expansion. So you mentioned that Elna Hall has only been there for a couple of weeks. So with some fresh perspectives and leadership, did he mention anything else that he wants to focus on? Yeah, another one of his huge priorities is continuing VA's COVID-19 response. Uh, and he also mentioned something that I found interesting, uh, that there are, quote, new vaccines on the horizon. So they're looking, he was explaining that the virus is continuing to mutate as, we all, as we've all seen, uh, there are new variants. So VA is working on developing a vaccine that will combat those variants and mutations better. Uh, and once that is out, they plan to distribute it to the vets and uh, VA's workforce first. So I look forward to seeing how that evolves. In addition, they're also bolstering supply chain with stockpiles, moving away from what Alnahal called a just-in-time mindset, where they can provide medical equipment to hospitals, medical centers in need in case of the next health crisis. So amid all of this, we need to talk about VA's electronic health record, or EHR, it's been a big effort to modernize it and integrate it with the DOD's EHR. So what kind of news came out about it, or was there any mention of the EHR modernization throughout the conference? Yeah, so VA actually halted their deployment of its EHR until it addressed some of the issues it had been seeing with patient safety, system downtime. Uh, and Olnahal said that he was going to make it his top priority to make sure that these issues were resolved before they continued to roll out the EHR at its next site. So, Sarah, you also interviewed the Undersecretary for Memorial Affairs. So what were some of the talking points that he brought up? Yeah, it was a great conversation. We discussed how uh, his unit is using technology to improve its programs, Veteran Legacy Memorial and Veterans Legacy Program. He also mentioned how his team's going to leverage lessons learned from VHA to improve scheduling uh, and then from VBA as well to integrate automation into some of these new platforms. Overall, his unit is shooting to have a national cemetery within 75 miles of every veteran. So that's going to be the driving force as they move forward. Speaking of moving forward, as we wrap up our chat about the DAV conference, can you break down some of the key goals that VA leadership has going into the future? 
Yeah, to start things off, McDonough told us that VA will continue to improve messaging around the PACT Act. This was something that was brought up a few times throughout the convention where they're trying to reach veterans that may be in rural areas or don't read the news uh, and make sure that they're aware of the expanded benefits they have uh, and understand the new claims that they could file. McDonough will be working with veteran service organizations like DAV and other state officials to make sure that everyone knows and understands the ramifications of the PACT Act. And then I mentioned earlier an interview with Joy Elam, the National Legislative Director at DAV. She, in her role, decides what policies they will continue to pursue and work with Congress to implement. Uh, so from our conversation, she said that DAV will be working alongside VA to make sure the PACT Act is implemented to its fullest extent. Elam also said that DAV will work to expand mental health legislation focusing on suicide prevention. This includes leveraging data analytics and working with VA. Uh, she mentioned VA's Million Veterans Program, as well as uh, expanding mental health services, making sure veterans have access to the mental health services they need, and also counseling, especially around lethal means safety. And then moving forward, I know this is a huge priority for both DAV and VA, but Elam noted that she'll be eyeing the Assets and Infrastructure Review Act, or the AIR Act, which aims to create a new one-time process to design, approve, and implement a long-term plan to modernize and realign VA's healthcare infrastructure. This has a lot to do with VA's physical facilities, like their medical centers, uh, and hospitals. She noted that as technology continues to advance, some of these older physical buildings and care centers just don't have the capacity to hold the new medical devices. So that's gonna be a large priority moving forward. Thank you for the recap, Sarah. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we've got a big announcement to make. I'll let Melissa share the news. So I know that we launched Flywheel Fridays together as a team earlier this year, and it's been such a pleasure doing this project with you guys. But unfortunately, this will be my last flywheel. I have some exciting new strides going on in my life that unfortunately means I will be departing GovCIO Media and Research just so everyone knows, flywheels will still continue. Kate and Alex will still be here as our main guests, but we'll be having our other staff writers and researchers like Sarah here today joining the show to keep things going. So again, uh, I love doing this show with you guys, and I feel fortunate to have been here talking about federal IT news week after week with you. Uh, we're going to miss you, Melissa, both on this podcast and at GovCIO Media and Research. We thought that to celebrate her time with us, it would be fun to share some of our favorite moments and memories from Flywheel Fridays. Melissa, want to start? Yeah, um, we've had a lot of notable moments across our episodes. I loved doing our Fly Academy Awards to honor different people in federal IT, especially in alignment with the Oscars, sort of just, you know, 
creating some fun around that moment. I liked talking about our event recaps, especially hymns back in March. Um, there's a lot of exciting interviews and news that we covered across the federal health IT space. From our own events that we recap here on Flywheel Fridays, I also really love chatting about our Women Tech Leaders event last month. It was one of, I think, the, our more notable in-person events in recent history, and it was great to chat about the energy that came from that event, um, which I think was really unique compared to other events that we've done. And of course, I'm going to miss our quips and cold opens. It's always fun to just put a little bit of personality out there in our podcasts. And that is something that I will definitely miss and is unique to our flywheels. Uh, I love the cold opens. It's my favorite part of every episode. I have done one flywheel with Melissa before, and it was the hymns recap, but I think outside of flywheel, Melissa was the one that trained me when I was hired at GovCIO Media and Research. Uh, she is the one that is always upbeat, always has a great attitude, brings the team together, sends the funniest messages in our Slack. Um, so I'm definitely going to miss her on the show and in the company. I'm going to miss all of the conversations that we have recording Flywheel Fridays, both the stuff that makes it into the episode, but also some of the stuff that doesn't. I'm not sure if this made it into one of our episodes, but Melissa is the reason why I take vitamins now. I'm going to miss the opportunity for us to bond both over what we do for work but also just as people having fun recording a podcast together. So thank you, Melissa, for everything you've contributed to the podcast. And we wish you nothing but the best in your future endeavors. And obviously, we expect you to keep listening to the podcast. Kate and I will be back next week to recap our disruptive DevSecOps virtual event. But until then... That's all for today's Flywheel Fridays. If you enjoyed this episode, keep the conversation turning by subscribing and leaving a review on the podcast platform of your choice. I'm Alexander Bolova. I'm Melissa Harris. I'm Sarah Seibert. Thank you for listening. Flywheel Fridays, along with GovCast, HealthCast, and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released weekly across our shows. You can follow all of them in your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com. I don't deserve your kind words, guys. You do. It's true. You should have been like, I'm going to miss Melissa being an absolute dope on this team. You know what I'm going to miss? I'm going to miss the conversations that you and Kate have that as I'm listening, I'm like, this is going to get cut. Like, there's no way I can in good faith keep this in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so many times where I'm like, surely you both must know that, like, we can't keep this in. <laughs>
Yeah. But you know what? We keep going anyway, because it just keeps the energy, <laughs> the energy that we want to capture in the actual episode. Yeah, I mean, well, behind the scenes, I mean, I guess I talked about this a little earlier, but we record uh, a lot of content that doesn't make it into the episode. Uh, we usually start with a cold open question. Uh, Melissa, what was our question to kick off today's episode? You asked me about my thoughts on sloths. And they're positive? They're very positive. Sloths are great creatures. Sometimes life goes by too fast. It's really important for us to slow down and just cling on to the branch we're clinging on to, living our best lives. Now that's the closing of the episode. <laughs> <laughs>